from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, and I'm happy to be here with you. It's Thursday night. Our telephone number, if you want to join the conversation, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. And Donald Trump, the 45th president of these United States, who I like to call Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, uh, has been indicted again. It's indictment 2.0. This is a federal indictment this time on seven counts uh, stemming from the uh, Mar-a-Lago raid and um, what they're calling uh, obstruction of justice. And you name it, they're coming up with all sorts of things uh, because he's got documents. Now, we're going to um, have a discussion with um, with uh, attorney Kurt Schlichter a little bit later on tonight. Uh, as well as with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, is coming up next. And uh, we're also going to talk about small business. But I want to start off with talking about former President Trump uh, being ordered to appear in federal court in Miami on Tuesday following uh, his indictment. Trump was indicted on federal charges related to the document handling and obstruction of justice. Now, President Trump alerted the world of what was going on when his lawyers let him know that he was being indicted. And he put out a post on his social media platform, truth social indicating as such. And he followed it up with a video. We have the complete uh, audio of the video and I want you to hear it. Check this out. Very sadly, we're a nation in decline and yet they go after a popular president, a president that got more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country, by far, and did much better the second time in the election than the first. And they go after him on a boxes hoax, just like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and all of the others. It's just been going on for seven years. They can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. Uh, they had the Mueller hoax, the Mueller report, and that came out. No collusion after two and a half years. That was set up by Hillary Clinton and Democrats. But this is what they do. This is what they do so well. If they would devote their energies to honesty and integrity, it would be a lot better for our country. They could do a lot better. They could do a lot of great things. But when you look at what's happened to our country in the last three years, we were energy independent. We had a strong military that wasn't woke. We were doing so well. We were respected all over the world. We got the biggest tax cuts in history, biggest regulation cuts in history. And what do you do? You have a president where an election was taken, got more votes than any sitting president in history by far, never anything even close. And they come after me because now we're leading in the polls again by a lot against Biden and against the Republicans by a lot. But we're leading against Biden by a lot, a tremendous amount. 
And we went up to a level that they figured the way they're going to stop us is by using what's called warfare. And that's what it is. This is warfare for the law. And we can't let it happen. We can't let it happen. Our country is going to hell. And they come after Donald Trump, weaponizing the Justice Department, weaponizing the FBI. We can't let this continue to go on because it's ripping our country to shreds. We have such big problems, and this shouldn't be one of them. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax. Just like Russia, 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 just like the fake dossier was a hoax. You saw the Durham report. You saw the Mueller report. It was all a big hoax. You had two impeachments, and they lost, and we won. And we had tremendous support. But that was a hoax and a scam. And now they're doing it again. It's just a continuation, seven years, even after I'm out. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy your reputation so they can win an election. That's just as bad as doing any of the other things that have been done over the last number of years, and especially during the 2020 election. So I just want to tell you, I'm an innocent man. I did nothing wrong. And we will fight this out just like we've been fighting for seven years. It would be wonderful if we could devote our full time to making America great again. And that's exactly what we did. But now, again, our country is in decline. We're a failing nation. And this is what they do. I'm an innocent man. We will prove that again. Seven years of proving it. And here we go again. Very unfair. But that's the way it is. I just want to thank everybody. We are doing something very special for our country. We're putting America first. I always put America first. And that's why we were in a position. Unfortunately, that position is no longer valid because they've done such a poor job. But we're in a position where we're going to make America great again. Uh, I'm innocent, and we will prove that very, very soundly and hopefully very quickly. Thank you very much. And there you have it, the 45th president of the United States responding to the indictment uh, against him, saying he's an innocent man. And in my opinion, this is another politically motivated prosecution that hurts all Americans. And this is happening right as our justice system continues to erode. Why? All for the sake of power, the power of the Democrats that are in power, seeking to solidify and make more permanent their power. And I think it's disgusting. This is wrong. This is wrong. And it's criminal. Right. This is something we talk about often. And a lot of times I'm jaded uh, and and I still am. I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of this. I don't know that, you know, the people that are, are using the legal system as as a weapon against their political adversaries, uh, whether it's Biden, uh, those in the leadership of the Democrat Party, uh, Merrick Garland, Christopher Ray, whatever and whatnot, whomever and whatever you have. There's so many people. I mean, the, the list goes on. He talked about the, the Mueller hoax, the Russia hoax, the uh, first indictment hoax, uh, excuse me, impeachment hoax. Uh, the second impeachment hoax. I mean, he, he's not wrong when he says that they've been after him for seven years. And it's it's 100 percent true. And nobody's been uh, held to account for that. Yes, you had an FBI lawyer that forged a document and was caught. And was was arrested for it. And, and 
you know, a couple of other people that were caught with their uh, hand in the cookie jar. But there was real there was no real justice done. There was no real accountability uh, dished out for anybody. Right. There really wasn't. Durham held a few people accountable. The, the, the majority of the actors here, uh, Strzok and Page, right? Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, uh, the lovers that said that they'll do whatever they had to do to stop Trump. And they were caught dead to rights with their text messages. Nada, 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 not a damn thing. Nothing with President Biden, nothing with President Obama who knew what was going on. I mean, this, this, the trail of bodies that are implicit here and implicated in, in going after Trump is a long line of bodies. And none of them have been held to account. But one thing I know that is true and is accurate and correct. Trump's right here. We can't allow this to go on anymore because our country is suffering as a result. Straight ahead with his reaction and uh, to discuss his new book on the Republican Revolution, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. Don't this go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. It's a hoax. The whole thing is a hoax. Just like Russia, 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 just like the fake dossier was a hoax. You saw the Durham report. You saw the Mueller report. It was all a big hoax. You had two impeachments and they lost and we won. And we had tremendous support. But that was a hoax and a scam. And now they're doing it again. It's just a continuation, seven years, even after I'm out. But it's called election interference. They're trying to destroy a reputation so they can win an election. Of course, that is former President Donald Trump reacting to the news of his indictment. And welcome back uh, for reaction to the news of the Trump indictment and to discuss his brand new book, March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. Our guest, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Welcome, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. And um, what's your uh, initial reaction to to the news that uh, Trump is indicted yet again on these federal charges that seem to be nothing more than what others have done leaving the White House, yet he's the one that's getting indicted? Well, at one level, my reaction is one of sadness. I'm watching America decay into a Venezuela, Cuba, uh, Zimbabwe kind of third-party dictatorship where if you're the leading opponent, they use the power of government to try to destroy you. Uh, and, And I think... You know, one level, my feeling as a patriot is enormous sadness. At another level, I'm really very angry because I watch them ignore everything about Hillary Clinton, everything Mm -hmm. about Joe Biden's son, uh, but somehow focus on Donald Trump. And I just think it's an example, which the Durham report indicated, of the corruption of the Justice Department 
and the corruption of the FBI. And that goes straightly back to the corruption of the Biden family. Yeah, lamentably, Mr. Speaker, I think I agree with you, too. It's, it's, it's a horrible thing to see the, the continued erosion of our Justice Department. And, and in my opinion, it's not just the Justice Department, but it's really a complete our complete system of justice uh, takes a hit here because people lose faith in the system. And I think so many of our systems only work when uh, there's virtue behind them. And, and, you know, the body politics says, you know what, we, we believe in this stuff. We have a trust uh, that we are, you know, it's the consent of the governed. And I, I don't think we, the people, are consenting to this in, in many instances. Do you think that this is a crushing blow to Americanism overall, or is this just a, a bump in the road, um, on the road to, to serfdom? Well, I think it's more like an intersection where we're going to have to decide as a free people which road do we want to go down? Do we want to go down the road of, corruption and wokeism and anti-white racism and weird sexual behaviors, including people dressing up like nuns and deliberately insulting the Catholic Church? Uh, Or do we want to, in fact, go down a road that has, you know, hard work, American patriotism, core cultural values, a respect for each other? Uh, And I think that that's just an enormous choice. And I don't, you know, my, I'm, I'm an optimist in that I think, and I describe this in my, my new book, March the Majority, I think in the Reagan tradition that in the end the American people will win. But I have to tell you, the power of the government, uh, the elite universities, the elite media, and the elite big corporations, their combined power is a lot. And that's what we're fighting. Without question. And folks, uh, let me just remind you, we're we're on with former Speaker Newt Gingrich, author of the brand new book, March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. Mr. Speaker, um, you you mentioned that you allude to a solution and and a win for the American people, which I love to hear because at times I feel jaded and I feel like we don't get out of this mess. We just have to fight like hell to to just subsist. Uh, But how do we, and you could take your time with it because we have another segment, but uh, if you could just to begin to broach it, how do we begin to get out of it, in your opinion? Well, this is a point I made, and one of the major reasons that I wrote uh, March to the Majority. You start by listening to the American people. Uh, President Abraham Lincoln once said that with popular sentiment, anything is possible. Without popular sentiment, nothing as possible. Um, he later on, of course, in his most famous explanation, said government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Well, if you believe that, then maybe part one is you listen to the people. You find out what their mm-hmm. worries are, what they want solved. The other example I'd give is Ronald Reagan. If you go to his uh, January 1989 farewell address, he says, all of these victories we won, you, the American people, won. I didn't win them. You won them. And I think that's the key thing. So one, I would say, you have to start, and a good example is parental rights. 84% of the American people favor the right of parents to know what's happening with their children in their classroom. So when Antifa 
which is an organization that, frankly, should be abolished uh, and, and, and made illegal because it is a constant advocate of violence. When Antifa shows up and attacks Armenian parents in a California school meeting because the parents want the right to know what their children are being taught, that gives you the perfect contrast of where we are. I mean, if you think it's okay for radical uh, groups like Antifa to dominate by violence, then you ought to be with the Democrats. If you think that parents ought to have the right to know what's happening to their child and to do so peacefully and without coercion, then you ought to be a Republican. Extremely well put. Uh, And folks, we're going to continue this conversation of course, we're on with uh, former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich and his brand new book, The March to the Majority. March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. Uh, it's available now. I recommend getting two copies, of course, one for yourself, one to give away because somebody can definitely benefit from this. And um, we're going to continue these conversations, uh, or, uh, hearing our conversation and hearing about some of his stories with um Amazing political figures like Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, Tip O'Neill, George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, and others. Now, Mr. Speaker, uh, in in the moment that we have um, before we take our first pause and come back to you, um, just let everybody know, um, in addition to your amazing, you know, um, literary works, you, you also have a really big production company where you put out a lot of amazing content. Uh, tell everybody about Gingrich D60. Well, thank you for that question. Gingrich 360 is an amazing company. Uh, Its uh, president is my wife, Calista Gingrich. She used to be the ambassador of the Vatican. We do uh, four newsletters a week. We do three podcasts a week. They are all free at Gingrich360.com. We have a brand new project underway called Journey to America, where we're interviewing first-generation immigrants who are here illegally but who are contributing to making America remarkably unique and, and, and remarkably prosperous. Um, we also are deeply involved in uh, looking at the American people uh, through a program called America's New Majority Project.com. So lots of things going on. Outstanding. We're coming right back with uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, his book, March to the Majority, and check out his website, Gingrich360.com. I'm Rich Valdez. We're coming right back. Don't move a muscle. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Rich Valdez. 
I was a Democrat for about 55 years, and uh, uh, as uh, Governor James Burns of South Carolina a few years ago said, he said the Democratic Party didn't, uh, I didn't leave it, it left me. And I, I think that they moved uh, so far to the left in 1984 that I just couldn't go along. And I, I have been more at home for a number of years with the national platform of the Republican Party, and I finally made it official. All right, folks, that is the late Reverend Pat Robertson. Uh, he um, was uh, giving uh, uh, some thoughts to the former host of this very program, Larry King, uh, in that old clip that we dug up. And Pat Robertson was discussing how he had become a Republican uh, during uh, Reagan's campaign. And there's so much that comes from that. And who better than former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich to uh, a react to Pat Robertson's passing and b uh, share some stories from uh, his interactions with Ronald Reagan, Mr. Speaker, welcome back. Well, listen, it's great to be back, and I have to tell you, Pat Robertson was a remarkable person, a pioneer, a man who early on figured out that television would be the way to reach people and to convert people. Uh, it's called the Seven Hundred Club because he went out one night and said, you know, if I could find 700 people to put in $10 each, I can open up a, a, a small local TV station. Uh, that grew into a nationwide system of considerable impact. Uh, he was a very close confidant of Governor and then President Ronald Reagan. And I would say that he ranks with Jerry Falwell as the two guys who most created the whole process of bringing uh, devout Christians into the Republican Party and recognizing that the challenge of the left on core values was so great that people who traditionally had not been political had to get political just to defend themselves. So I have great memories of Pat. He was a wonderful person, deeply, deeply devout, uh, and but with a very big heart and a very open spirit. And... Uh... Folks, we're on with uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. He's the author of the brand new book, March to the Majority, the real story of the Republican Revolution. And in the clip that we just heard, we heard about Pat Robertson saying uh, he'd become a Republican and uh, went on to do great things with the Christian Broadcasting Network and the 700 Club, uh, the aforementioned 700 Club and founding Regent University. Uh, but of course, the moral majority and, and the uh, the silent majority uh, was um you know, he was part of that. And uh, Newt Gingrich, I know that you've you've crossed paths with so many people uh, on your travels, uh, both politically and academically. And uh, I know you've written about them in this new book. Tell us a little bit about uh, your interactions with Ronald Reagan. Well, Reagan, of all the people I've ever worked with, was the most impressive. I started studying him in 1965 when he first ran for governor. I began working with him in 1974. And of course, for his entire two terms, I was in Congress and we worked together on many projects. And I would argue that the contract with America in 1994 stood on Reagan's shoulders. I think every single item in the contract is one that Reagan would have supported. And for example, as part of how America works, Reagan proposed a work program to replace welfare in 1965. We passed it into law in 1996. And the liberals have done everything they could since then to undermine it. 
but it gives you a sense of the history and why I say we stood on Reagan's shoulders. Uh, the four balanced budgets we got negotiating Bill Clinton, the only time in your life that we've had four, four consecutive balanced budgets. That came from a series of steady, methodical activities. And part of the purpose of writing uh, March to the, the Majority was to lay out almost uh, a playbook, if you will, for people who want to learn how to be effective in politics. And uh, I felt that, that really, of all the people I've worked with, Reagan was the most in control, uh, the, mo- the pl- most pleasant, uh, the best communicator, and had a core set of values, which I always recommend to people, go to YouTube and pull up uh, a, na- a time for choosing, which was Reagan's great speech mm. uh, in 1964 for Barry Goldwater. He didn't change. He once said, you know, I kept saying the same things and the world came around. But his core <laughs> beliefs were at the very heart of who Ronald Reagan was. And as we fast forward a little bit to today, where we have um, Speaker McCarthy uh, trying to to do the yeoman's task to, to bring about a, a modern day contract with America. Um, h- how do you uh, juxtapose the, the real story of the Re- Republican revolution and what's going on today? Well, I think in some ways, Speaker McCarthy's had a great opening five months. Um, he set out over a hundred days ago to force president Biden to accept spending cuts and reforms as part of a debt ceiling increase. Every single time he talked to the news media, he said, I really want to get to a debt ceiling increase because I do not want to have a default, but I also wanted to have spending cuts. And gradually, over about a three-and-a-half-month period, President Biden realized that he really had no choice. He either had to negotiate with McCarthy or he was never going to get any of the money he needed. And to their very great credit, the House Republicans uh, sided with McCarthy and said, you know, I mean, Mitch McConnell, who had been the probably most prominent dealmaker in the last 20 years, uh, when he came out and said, look, uh, when, when Speaker McCarthy passed a debt ceiling bill in the House, he earned the right to negotiate this. We're now going to support him. Well, that was a huge change from the normal House-Senate uh, bickering and arguing. And I think it was a big factor in why uh, ultimately Kevin McCarthy has been so successful as Speaker of the House. And I guess a uh, final point to you is um, let everybody know why they've got to get two copies of this book, March to the Majority. I, I love the two-copy model, one for yourself and one to give away to somebody. Look, I wrote March to the Majority because I believe we're right back where we were, Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan. I believe with the right principles, the right policies, the right approach, uh, that we're going to be able to once again uh, solve our problems as we did in the 1990s. And I think that March to the Majority shows you, almost like a playbook, how every citizen can be effective, every congressman or state senator can be effective. And I think it's a step towards a more profoundly self-governing American system based on solid constitutional and conservative values. Well, folks, you heard it here first. 
from former Speaker Newt Gingrich. Make sure you check out the book. Get two copies, one for yourself, one for a friend or an enemy. It doesn't really matter. (laughs) Either one of them can benefit from it. March to the Majority, The Real Story of the Republican Revolution by Newt Gingrich. Check him out on all the social media at Newt Gingrich. And, of course, check out uh, his production company, Gingrich360.com. They put out some good, good, really solid content, and I recommend it. Mr. Speaker, I want to thank you for being with us. We appreciate it. Great talk to you. Thank you. Likewise. Folks, there is more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. We're going to discuss all of the hottest stories of the evening. If it happened during the day, we're talking about it here at night. I am Rich Valdez, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez. And, you know, uh, today, or is it today, or maybe I guess once the the clock strikes midnight on June 9th, I believe it was June 9th, 2019, I uh, had the privilege of marching in uh, the National Puerto Rican Day Parade in New York City. And um, I was with a colleague of mine, Curtis Sliwa, who's the founder of the guardian angels and a radio host in New York city as I was. And he, he looks over to me and he says, Hey, uh, Richie V, hey, take a look over there. It's, it's your girlfriend. It's your socialist girlfriend. AOC and I said, Oh, look, it's all out crazy. And I was with my daughter who was like 12 or something at the time. And, uh, you know, um, in between, uh, the, the marching bands, I quickly marched across the street, uh, to go over there and say hello. Cause she had stopped to greet people. And, um, I was rudely met with her saying, you know, not saying anything. She kind of just cut her eyes at me, didn't really want to say anything. After she rolled her eyes, she just started walking away really quickly and then jogged to the other side of Fifth Avenue. And then one of her um, staffers came and I gave a flyer to somebody standing next to me. You know, I kind of body checked me in the process. I was like, all right, these girls are really tough. So uh, she clearly didn't want to talk to me. But the whole interaction was caught on tape. And, uh, and it made a big stink in the New York Post. And then her her people, her handlers and whatever, uh, they, they dropped the F-bomb in a tweet at me. And then they deleted it, but they didn't delete it before the Washington Times and the New York Post had gotten a screen grab of the F-bomb tweet toward me. And I think that stuff's still available on the New York Post if you care to search it. But um, I'll get into that story a little bit more a little bit later on because it's funny. And all I wanted to do was have a debate between capitalism and socialism with her. But she didn't want to do it. It's like America's biggest uh, secret, this this um, this conversation of capitalism and socialism. And there was a clip of audio from AOC about a year ago where she actually whispered about that very topic. Listen to this. Most people don't really know what capitalism is. Most people don't even know what socialism is. But most people 
are not capitalists because they don't have capitalist money. They're not billionaires. Yeah, so you don't have to be a billionaire to be a capitalist. If you believe in a free market, uh, you're it, right? Tag, you're it. You're, you're, you're a capitalist, according to Marx and AOC. Uh, but she's just so off the mark. Most times, oftentimes, misunderstanding uh, what it is that makes this economic system of ours go round and round. Yet it seems she does really well selling her uh, tax the rich hoodies for $60 a pop. Maybe I've got to do that, right? I used to have t-shirts and they sold out very quickly. Maybe we should get hoodies and uh, we'll sell them for less than 60 bucks. But anyway, that's AOC. We're going to continue our, our conversations on her and everything else that's going on. But I want to make sure I check in with you, the listeners. So let's hit the phones. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Let's go to Mike in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, WRNN. Go right ahead. How's it going, Mr. Valdez? Love the show, boss. And that was a great interview with with Newt Gingrich. Um, oh, thank you. You know, I'm sitting here listening. You're welcome. I'm sitting here listening to you. And uh, all-out communism um, really has has provided you with a level of status that maybe you, you know, might take a lot longer to attain. I mean, and really, you're not anybody until AOC drops a bomb, F-bomb <laughs> on you in a tweet. So, I mean, yeah, he, that's probably friend. why that guy lost his job. I think they were saying, look, we were just going to ignore this guy. But since the, you know, they hurled the F-bomb at me on Twitter, uh, yeah, I think they definitely put me on the map. I think that's true. Well, yeah, you know, I, I, I told you, your screener, that, you know, I was I was thinking about how, you know, I, I hear a lot of ideas on the on the right about election, um, you know, fixing things in the election process and system that can safeguard and protect it. Do you know of any concrete things that have happened in states that, you know, crucial states, especially that we can look forward to um, or? Yeah. Well, I, the, the no. two things, I mean, first of all, I think the, the biggest issue that we faced right in 2020, when you talk about a election irregularity and whatnot, and uh, I'll try and get this in as quickly as I can before we pause for the break. But uh, was there was half a dozen states, right? There was like six states. And I know in the last year or so, and there's probably more to it, but what I remember and from, you know, people in my network and my contacts, I know that the um, the folks in Wisconsin have done an amazing job at at making sure that some of the things that happened in the name of COVID will never, ever happen again. And and that's a really good thing. And and they um, they did a great job solidifying that. In the same vein, you've got folks in Philadelphia, or I should say Pennsylvania. Now, Pennsylvania was a little bit trickier because there was this um, rule called Act 77, and you had a lot of people acting out of, uh, I'm going to say, extra-constitutionally, right? So, you know, they, they were outside of, of the confines of the Constitution. And when the Trump campaign had brought that case and said that that was the case, they said no. Then they rebrought the same case, and then they said no because latches, you didn't do it on time, sorry, uh, no can do. And then the same attorneys brought that case, and after the fact, after you know the, the, the electoral count uh, had already occurred and um, were no longer representing the campaign, but same premise, 
and they took the case up and they and they decided in their favor with the judge actually saying yes if we were to do this this would be outside of the constitution and and making sure that they weren't going to allow people to vote uh like forcibly vote by absentee ballot unless they had requested these ballots and that is a huge change so of course that continues to go um um uh, with uh, a lot of not only scrutiny, but a lot of pushback, but they're making strides in Pennsylvania as well. And I believe that they're, they're ultimately going to have the last laugh. So those are just a couple of things that I know that are happening. And those were two of, in my opinion, of the most egregious things that we saw when it came to uh, changing an outcome of an election or, you know, really swinging it one way or another by way of, you know, changing an electoral system in the name of COVID. So um, my producer's telling me it's time to hit the break, but hopefully that answered your question, at least in part. Mike in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, WRNN. Big shout out to everybody out there. And folks, we're coming right back. The rest of your calls and more. Don't move a muscle. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Republicans are so afraid of democracy that they want to disenfranchise predominantly black voters who have been disenfranchised for as far back as when black people were enslaved in the United States of America. This has nothing to do with election integrity. This is about racial control. And this is not new. Of course, that is uh, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, all out crazy. My least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens uh, at a committee hearing uh, just the day before yesterday. And uh, that was the preface to a shocking ruling coming out of the Supreme Court earlier today, putting the Republican House majority in jeopardy. The case, Allen versus Milligan, uh, apparently... Um, was taking issue on whether the Republican House seats in Alabama are in violation of the Voting Rights Act. And the Supreme Court on Thursday, today, earlier, struck down the Republican-drawn congressional districts in Alabama that some civil rights activists that are taking exceptions say discriminated against black voters in a surprise reaffirmation of the landmark Voting Rights Act. The court in a 5-4 decision ruled against Alabama with uh, Chief Justice John Roberts uh, and Justice Brett Kavanaugh both joining the three liberals in uh, on the court for the majority in that decision. So they ruled against Alabama, meaning the map of seven congressional districts, which heavily favors Republicans, will now be redrawn. And that may change the balance of power for Republicans in the House of Representatives. So uh, we'll continue that discussion as well, maybe in the third hour and as well as uh, uh, tomorrow as well. And in the next segment, when we catch up with attorney Kurt Schlichter, uh, who's joining us right after this. I'm Rich Valdez. Don't go anywhere.
Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you. 833-482-5337 is our phone number. If you want to join our late-night national town hall conversation, feel free to do so, 833-4-VALDEZ. And uh, again, just recapping the headlines uh, that we talked about in hour one, uh, former President Donald Trump uh, was indicted again. Uh, this time on federal charges related to document handling and obstruction of justice. Uh, in other news, you've got Pat Robertson of Regent University fame, uh, the 700 Club on the Christian Broadcasting Network, all things that he created, uh, an OG in the Christian right business. And I got to tell you, I love Pat Robertson. The 700 Club was required television for me almost throughout all of my 20s, or at least from like 23 to 30. Uh, I, I never missed an episode. Uh, I thought it was such an interesting mix of uh, faith and family and news and analysis and then the the amazing prayer sessions that they would have at the end. It was just, uh, wow. And I was just like, I can't believe they don't have other programming like this. Uh, it was really remarkable. He was a remarkable guy. And... Uh, May he rest in peace. And let's see, what else do we have here? Oh, and then we have this very shocking story, the shock ruling from the Supreme Court putting the Republican House majority uh, potentially in jeopardy. Uh, and that was uh, the case I mentioned in the last hour, Allen versus Milligan, where the Supreme Court has now struck down the Republican-drawn congressional districts in Alabama that uh, civil rights activists were taking exception to, saying that it discriminated against black voters. And uh, this was a surprise ruling. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Uh, 5-4 ruling where Chief Justice Roberts and Justice Brett Kavanaugh joined the three liberals on the bench to come up with the majority opinion for this case. Now, our guest, Colonel Kurt Schlichter, uh, he's been on here before. He's a funny guy. He's a, he's a brilliant guy. He's a great writer. And uh, he has amazing analysis. And I want to welcome him. Colonel Kurt Schlichter, welcome, sir. Hey, good to be here. Yes, sir. So I, I want to get your initial reaction to this first story, because I think this first story, or whatever I was just talking about, uh, the third story I brought up, this ruling from the Supreme Court, uh, what, what do you make of this? Was it something that surprised you? Do you think it will really make a difference in redrawing the congressional map in Alabama? Well, it's going to make a difference in Alabama. It's a stupid ruling. And I hate to see Brett Kavanaugh morphing into John Roberts, but that's probably what's going to happen because, you know, he's, you know, essentially soft. Um, he, you know, he, he would like to fit back into the community that he got kicked out of for daring not to, uh, follow the ruling class dictates. And now, uh, you know, now like Roberts, he's trying to weasel his way in. It won't work. They hate him too much. 
Um, but you know, that's yeah, that's what you get. Do you think it'll uh, upset the, the balance lesson of power? Is pick hard people. Say again. The lesson is that you need to pick hard people. Oh yeah, oh, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I think um, to have um, some inner strength is key in in any of our positions in government, and we see it more and more each day. And I get the need for compromise on occasion, but when compromise is, is your go to, and and you never take a tough position, uh, then you're probably not in the right business. Now, look, compromise like, needs mm-hmm. to be a step on the path to getting what you want. Compromise is not good in, in and of itself because it gives the enemy something. They get nothing. They deserve nothing. They have a right to nothing. They should be given nothing. And the only time that you give them anything is when you get something better and position yourself to take even more. They're not our friends. They're not our buddies. I don't believe in bipartisan bridge building or reaching across the aisle. I want to destroy everything the left believes in. I want their dreams to die. I want there to be a grave, and I want to take a leak on it. <laughs> I love that. This is why I like having you on. Uh, Kurt Schlichter, um, I want to pivot quickly. Um, keep keep that same energy, but I want to pivot to get your reaction on the indictment of the 45th president of the United States for having documents. What say you? Well, first of all, I'm kind of constrained in what I can say because I assume that I have to remain FCC compliant. <laughs> That's um, correct. <laughs> now, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, but I don't know why you're asking a lawyer about this. It has nothing to do with law. It, it, it merely, it's just merely the exercise of raw power uh, in the way that you know fascist governments always right. exercise power. Uh, you know, a lot of us veterans tonight are sitting around going, God, man, we were suckered. You know, we, we, we played along, you know, for years and years, believing in the Constitution, and then we have these guys come out and you know, treat it like a hobo in San Francisco treats the sidewalk. So uh, what do I think about it? It's a lie and a scam. They're all lies and a scam and scams, but in a way they're liberating rich because now we're not constrained by norms or rules or guardrails. You know, for a long time they got to skip along because we didn't want to upset the apple cart. You know, Hillary Clinton not prosecuted when she is manifestly guilty of all the crimes they falsely accused Trump of. Right. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't process because of the norms. I'm hoping we're strong enough not to make that mistake again. The only way that they'll learn is through pain. And I propose we provide agonizing pain to them. And if it doesn't teach them a lesson, at least they suffer. Yeah, well put. Now, let me ask you this, because uh, we saw this happen already with the um, Alvin Bragg case that they brought against Trump out of New York. And everybody thought this was the end of the world. This is how we're going to stop Trump. And in fact, it, it didn't stop Trump. He raised uh, a bunch of money off of it and, and he shot didn't up raise that much. He didn't, he didn't raise that much. He's not raising money. He's not getting a lot of money. And a lot of people well, are saying, well, going to help his him. pitch, right? I mean, the, 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 the stuff I've seen says, look, if you're doing bad because of Biden's economy, don't give me anything. But if you can, go ahead and give me some. And I thought, what a, what a modest approach to fundraising. You know, Trump, Trump has a good argument that he was a good president for at least three of the four years. Uh, but, but he's... But uh, the question... But here's the problem. Uh-huh. He's, got 40, he's got a ceiling of 47% in November of 2024. 53% of Americans will never vote for him. 
and it's not right, and it's not fair, and a lot of those 53% of Americans are stupid. Um, but that's the, that, that's the battlefield we're on. See, I, I'm utterly unsentimental about politicians. I don't work for Donald Trump or any of the others. I don't get paid by them. I'm not their friend. They don't call me up and, you know, I sit there kicking my feet on the bed at night going, what you doing? Of course. Okay? They're not my pals. They are merely avatars. They are tools for obtaining a political result I want. And I'm utterly unsentimental. I don't care what happens to Trump, except in the sense that uh, I, I like having a free country. And I like to win. Uh, I think it is a grave error to nominate somebody who has a ceiling of 47%. And I do not think that anybody who hasn't already been brought over by this sham indictment in, in New York, and make no mistake, Donald Trump has been persecuted and they've attempted to frame him in a way that's unprecedented in American uh, uh, history and mm -hmm. is going to do huge damage to our institutions. But say la vie. Um, but like I said, I, I, what happens to Trump is not my issue. My issue is who's going to win and then who's going to destroy the enemy's dreams. Um, now, before we get to destroy the enemy's dreams, though, do you think that this current uh, witch hunt, persecution, uh, whatever and what have you, will benefit him or hurt him? No, it won't, it won't benefit him. Uh, he got uh, a rally around uh, 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 kind of phenomenon I after uh, what happened in New York, which is understandable, and I sympathize. It, it, it was absolutely wrong and scummy, but it's also emotion-based. Um, you rally around him to send a message. My message would be to send uh, you know, a Viking warrior to loot and pillage uh, Washington, D.C., and Trump's not that guy because he's not going to win in 2024. It's almost impossible for him to win. It's very tough. It's 10 to I 1 see. odds. Now, I want to get into Joe Biden, but I want to do that right after the break. So let me just remind everybody who we're on with. Kurt Schlichter. Uh, Colonel Kurt Schlichter, he's an attorney, and he's got some very sharp opinions. We're going to continue with him straight ahead. Plus your calls, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. We're on with Kurt Schlichter. He's got an amazing column in townhall.com. you got to check him out. Kurt Schlichter, you've got a piece, a brand-new one, uh, titled, Who Do the Dems Replace Biden With? And uh, right now he's the guy, he's the front runner. You've got RFK Jr. throwing his hat in the ring. But many believe that he just doesn't have the wherewithal to get there, to get across the finish line. So um, walk us through this piece. Well, look, uh, Joe Biden is a creepy pervert and a demonstrated <laughs> mental defective. Uh, you know, his senility is in like a kind of a horse rate between Seabiscuit and Secretariat. You know, senility and stupidity. I don't know who's going to come in first, but they're going to set a new track record. The thing is, as dumb as he is, 
as is uh, he's an empty husk on par with uh, Diane Feinstein or John Ogre Fetterman. Uh, none of that matters because he's simply an avatar for leftist garbage. They, they, he's an empty vessel. They pour their commie crap into him, and then he goes and does it. So they don't care about any of that. They will weaken and Bernie's him through the next five years if they can. The problem is the guy's like 168 years old, and <laughs> actuarially speaking, you've got to short this guy. Right there is a chance that he's going to fall and break his hip, or the machinations of time will call him to his reward. Whatever, there is a real chance that he's just not going to physically make it to the next election. So we got to figure out who's next. And you look at their bench, okay? Like I'm not a sports ball guy, but it's like I don't know, maybe like the 61 Mets. They're just not very good. I don't know if it's a 61 Mets. Hell, like I said, I don't know sports ball. You get the you, you get where I'm coming from. You got Kamala Harris, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris, that cackling moron. I mean, you know, people think she's a, she's stupid and evil and greedy and venal and incoherent, and that's just the people who work for her. <laughs> okay, this is a woman who got like one percent in Iowa. Asa Hutchinson's going. I did better than her. And, and, you know, Asa Hutchinson. Sounds like he ought to be running a, a chuck wagon on a cattle train, not running for president. But you, it, then, then who else you got? Pete Buttigieg, you know, the, the yeah. war hero. I mean, he's no Dick Blumenthal. You've got RFK you know? Jr. Well, even the Democrats like RFK Jr. is crazy. I am baffled by this whole Republican fetish for RFK Jr., I'd sooner, I'd sooner hop issue. a ride home from a freaking keg party with a Kennedy than have one of them pre- uh, be president again. <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, look, RFK, here's the appeal to him. He's nice to conservatives sometimes. It's like Tulsi Gabbard, who I like, but she's a leftist, so I wouldn't give her any political power. Yeah, I'm with you on that you one. Know, I've always been like baffled by people Trump saying Tulsi Trump Gabbard. should pick her no. as, a, as a running mate. I'm like, why? Why would we do that? So? She was Bernie Sanders' vice chair like five minutes ago. I don't understand how we get from one to the other. I really because, don't. You know, it's like, it's like we're the nerds at high school. You know, the pretty cheerleader smiles at us, and suddenly we think she's our, our, she's our girlfriend, and she's going to take us to the prom and put out in the parking lot. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Not in the cards. Uh, now, of course, we got my own governor, Gavin Hairstyle, and you know he's sniffing around. Uh, I mean, it couldn't be any more obvious. And this yeah. guy, like I say, he 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 is a dumb and good looking. Again, he can take the Kennedy slot, and it's you know I, I'd like to see him go up against you know a governor whose state isn't a giant boiling cesspool of hobo dung. Like California is maybe against I don't know Ron DeSantis I think would be a uh, a great match. But uh, on the Democrat side, how do you how do you get somebody to replace Biden if you don't have anybody on the bench to do it? Oh well, they, they, they'll all fight it out like a bunch of uh, sharks in a feeding frenzy, and I, I I will enjoy it. I will enjoy them ripping each other to shreds. It'll be hilarious to me. Uh, but I think that's what's going to happen. Now I want to. And I think just, you'll uh, see. Go ahead. 
Well, I think you'll see a bunch of like shady maneuvers, particularly if it, you know if they have to replace him after the nomination. You know, suddenly he'll like you know whoever wins will appear on all the ballots and all that sort of stuff. Uh, look, the only hope they have is running against uh, someone who's either a gross incompetent or a giant fat don't eat eating slob. Any of those running in the Republican race? Uh, or a guy who, again, for bad reasons mostly, 53% of Americans freaking hate. Uh, so, you know, my my thought is... So you, let's your prediction thus far, even though you're not a sports ball, a sports ball handicapper, you say it's it's not Trump and it's not Biden. So who does that leave us with on each side? I, I think we'll see DeSantis versus uh, Newsom. Okay. But I've been and, wrong before. Sure. Yeah, haven't we all? And if if that's the case, who do you think um, comes out the victor? Oh, I, I think DeSantis would win. Now, going back to Biden, because I, I like your commentary on Biden. <laughs> uh, you, you've got a piece a few days ago. It says, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is a corrupt, doddering old pervert. Um, what does it matter and why? Well, look, they, they don't care. They, they, the, media, the regime media and the Democrats don't care anything about Biden personally. They're, he's, he's a tool. I, can't, I actually admire their ruthlessness because they're utterly unemotional. They've got this uh, uh, gibbering mutant Matlock superfan who should be sitting in a uh, a rocker wrapped in a shawl eating his mush. And they're just using him to put in their Marxist program. And they just don't even care. They're just totally ruthless about it. I actually admire that. Frankly, I I wouldn't admire – I wouldn't mind having a completely senile Republican president – as long as a bunch of hardcore guys like me and you were out there pulling the strings. Because I'm all about acquiring and exercising power, because that's how you get what you want. Especially in politics. Folks, let me just remind everybody, we're on with Kurt Schlichter. Now, in addition to his amazing column in Town Hall, which is chock full of funny things and and some very, very sharp-cutting remarks, uh, there's also a, a series of books he's written, the latest, Inferno. That's the Kelly Turnbull, book number seven. Make sure you check that out on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Uh, Kurt Schlichter, let everybody know how they could follow you quickly. Follow me at Kurt Schlichter, spelled just like it sounds, on Twitter. Outstanding. Sir, you're a patriot. Godspeed to you. Thanks for being here. And, folks, we're coming right back. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. ever in the history of human endeavor has there been as fundamental potential technological change as is presented by artificial intelligence. It is staggering. Now, that is President Joe Biden having a discussion with the Prime Minister of England about artificial intelligence, and this comes on the heels of artificial intelligence replacing something like, uh, I don't know, 4,000 jobs, uh, I think, just last month. So 
this is obviously not only hurting big businesses, but small businesses alike. Now, small business is something that's always been um, near and dear to my heart because, you know, I, I came up as a small business owner. And uh, it's, in my opinion, the backbone of the American economy. But Biden's slowing economy and the credit crunch that's coming with it is squeezing small businesses, in some cases, squeezing them right out of business. So I wanted to get to the bottom of that and also uh, any of the small business owners that listen to this program. I wanted to give you some tips from Brent Garrett. He's a author of the upcoming book, Swirling the Drain, Why Small Businesses Fail and How to Stop the Leaks. Brent Garrett, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rich. Good to be with you this evening. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. So let's let's talk a little bit about this. We uh, everybody in America is feeling a crunch, whether it's because of uh, the government's increased spending, the increased production of money printing, inflation that's on the increase, increased food costs, and I mean the list goes on and on. And I, I can tell you, every day I get my coffee from a little Cuban place, small Cuban uh, hole in the wall restaurant make an amazing espresso and you know the 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 per plate price you know for the lunch special went up from like 650 to 750 to 850 i think it's up to like 10 bucks right now which is still reasonable for a plate of food but uh, their costs have gone up considerably and and uh, we always uh you know compare notes and have some shop talk when i go in to get my coffee and i know that he's not the only small business owner that's dealing with that they're dealing with it everywhere. So, Brent Garrett, um, let's talk a little bit about how frustrated and angry small business owners uh, can, you know, first what they're facing and then B, how they get out of it. Yeah, um, you know, the Fed's putting the brakes on the U.S. economy and um, they're they're doing that with the, the one tool that they have and that's raising the cost of borrowing money. It's... Um, trying to sidestep a severe recession. Um, as a small business owner myself of about 35 years, I'm a plumbing and air conditioning contractor. Um, it is it is extremely difficult to keep up with the changes. And, and you're right. Um, small business is the backbone of the economy. It's 99% of the businesses that are made up in the, in our, in our country. And so what does that mean for, um, a business out there. I was just talking to a carpet cleaner um, and a flooring contractor um, in the Northwest. And uh, he was just telling me his sales are declining. Um, consumer confidence is down. Discretionary incomes down. Still having some difficulty with raw goods. Yeah, labor. By the way, that, that number that we're down for, for most Americans, about 7K a year. Ab- absolutely. So, when you're talking about remodeling your home and putting a new floor in versus paying that extra money for your lunch that you were talking about, that's going mm-hmm. up and up. Um, it, it, it's, a it's, it's, a it's erupting in a crash where on the consumer side, they don't have those discretionary dollars to spend. Um, on the business side, interest rates have nearly doubled in the last 12 months, back in March of 22, we were right around four and a quarter percent. Well, the feds raised that um, and nearly doubled that. So just for me or any other small business, 
a standard loan or credit lines of credit to just operate their business. This isn't money going in their pocket. This is just to, to meet their obligations has gone from about five and a half percent with the SBA now at 10 and a half percent. Well, that's, that's a significant amount of cost to a small business in trying to, to pay their bills. Right. And so what's that look like? Um, 40% of small businesses last year, or I'm sorry, last month, were late on their rent, meaning that they were delayed. That means that they're making choices now. These are the Probably little fractures. Peter to pay Paul, right? Do I pay labor or do I, I pay my rent? robbing Peter to pay Paul. Exactly. exactly. That's crazy. If you have to think, you make a choice between paying labor or paying, you know, whatever your overhead is. Absolutely. Well, and then on the, um, on, on the lending side for banking, I was talking to a small commercial lender. You know, they're looking at an uncertain economic outlook, um, reduced, risk to- or, uh, reduced risk tolerance with their customers. <clears throat> and this fancy word called liquidity for small business owners, how much cash do I have in the bank to run my business? And, um, and so uh, lenders are making it uh, more difficult to to get cash they're having to small businesses are having to pay more for that uh for for having a loan or a line of credit here again this is not money they're sticking in the pocket this is what they have to do to keep the doors open right and and that's exactly what uh uh, my cuban buddy tells me when he starts complaining He said, this isn't about, you know, I don't have the business or the, the rent or he's like, I make the rent. I have a great rental agreement. My my lease is a, is a great price. He said, the issue here is I have to I have to pay labor. I have to pay my cook. Uh, and again, this is uh, it's two cousins. You know, it's a mom and pop that's uh, the, the cousin cooks and then he manages the front of the house. And and it, it's just um, I look at that and I think how many more like that are are in this predicament? You know, I live in a small town in New Jersey now, and there's a Main Street, and there's a bunch of these restaurants on Main Street. And I think, you know, if, if everybody's going through the same crunch, and clearly they are, because every, every, you know, food costs are high, and that's just restaurants. You know, let me not even begin to talk about when I took my daughter's car to the mechanic, right? <laughs> there's all that increase that's there. It's something like 35, 40% increase uh, from the last time that I went in. So, you know, when you look at all of these things, uh, there's a lot of businesses that I would say are swirling the drain, uh, kind of like the namesake of your book. How how do you recommend that some of these small businesses prevent a failure? And I don't want you to answer just yet. I want you to mull it over and we'll get your response on the other side of the break. And let me remind everybody, we're on with Brent Garrett. He's uh, the author of the upcoming book, Swirling the Drain. Why Small Businesses Fail and How to Stop the Leaks. Uh, We're discussing the current state of affairs of small businesses in the United States. And your calls are welcome. 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Rich Valdez, who, again, will do a fine job, and I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. So 
frustrated and angry small business owners are losing trust in the financial system as banks become more tight-fisted and they don't want to lend the money as much and they're charging it twice as much to borrow it as they were just a year ago. People are getting rejected for loans and prolonged borrowing approvals are becoming the norm just to operate their business. So this is obviously squeezing small businesses and jeopardizing their stability. Our guest, Brent Garrett, He's the author of Swirling the Drain, Why Small Businesses Fail and How to Stop the Leaks. Brent Garrett, in a situation like this, what can you offer small business owners that are listening on how to stop the bleeding? Well, the first thing I would say, Rich, is protect your mindset. I've been a small business owner for 35 years, and in a capital-based free market economy, we're going to have ups and downs. And... um, First thing I would want to say to everybody is breathe in, breathe out, stay calm, make a plan. And, and we're, this, this one might be a little tougher than others. I don't think it's as bad as 0708, um, but protect your mindset. Um, there are some things out there that are challenges. But we're always going to have challenges. So when you talk about how do you handle an economic downturn, and I've been through three to seven in my business career, um, this is my plan. Planning is the key. Um, and I, I, why we can debate that, uh, Rich, and I've got some thoughts on that, but why is not a good question for, uh, for your small business. What now? What do I do with these sets of challenges in front of me? Number one, marketing and sales. Your sales funnel is the most important thing you do. Put your best sales team out front. If that's you and your small business, most small businesses are less than 10 employees. That means that the owner's out there uh, driving and selling his business. Absolutely. Um, your sales are the lifeblood of your business. Don't take your eye off of that. So make sure you understand your marketing. What are you going to do to drive leads? Make sure that you're offering new things to your old customers and old, th- and old things to your new customers. Second thing, know your numbers. Get lean and mean during economic downturn. It's not the time to go buy that cigarette boat. Um, it is not the time to go risk your cash. Know what amount of profit you need on every transaction. If it's a cup of coffee, if it's a service call, if it's um, that flooring job, you need to understand what your numbers are um, and and make sure um, every business has that 80-20 rule, about 20, 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your customers. Make sure that you're maintaining those relationships. And in your pricing strategy, it might be time to do things to get someone to act now rather than put it off for six, eight, 12 months. Because here again, we're talking about consumer confidence. People are hoarding cash just like you are for your business. Um, Give them a compelling reason to act now. Third thing, cash is still king. You gotta survive the downturn. You're gonna be fine, but you gotta make it to the next upswing. And small business is a survival of fittest. It's just how it works. Um, if the bank is a roadblock for cash to keep your business moving and look at other avenues, savings, investment, maybe even family, um, get liquid to weather the storm, protect your cash. And those are the three things that I would focus on most. Of course, the, we can go down into other details in those three categories, but that's how you survive a downturn. I love those. Um, protect your mindset have the owners get out there and sell themselves, know your margins and create some incentives. Um, I want to dig into those just a little bit, but we're going to take a quick pause 
and uh, remind folks that we're on with Brent Garrett. He's the author of the upcoming book, Swirling the Drain, Why Small Businesses Fail and How to Stop the Leaks. And this is some pretty good insight. I want to dig into it a little bit more uh, and maybe a personal example from your business. 866-505-4626 is our legacy line. 8334-VALDEZ. We're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. We're on with Brent Garrett. He's the author of Swirling the Drain, Why Small Businesses Fail and How to Stop the Leaks. Plus, we're going to get to your calls right now, 833-482-5337. Brent Garrett, we have about four and a half minutes, and I'm going to give you an assignment. The assignment is, A, we're going to talk to a caller who has a question, and in addition to answering his question, I'd like you to answer mine in the same time frame, which is... um, try to figure out a way to weave in uh, how you could coach a small business owner on how to make these interesting decisions and using creative financing to struggle uh, to get through a struggle that presents itself. Let's go to John in Fort Worth, Texas on KLIF. John, welcome. You're on with Brent Garrett and Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks, Rich and Brent. Hey, um, so I'm still digging out of the February freeze. I got my remodel done and I'm getting ready to do my flooring. However, with the interest rates going up, am I is my cost basis going to go up as well? And is it going to be worth me to just wait? Excellent question, John. Brent Garrett, go right ahead. So, John, I just want to make sure I understand. You're a homeowner and you're you're deciding whether you want to um, replace your floor or not, or you're a contractor? No, I need to replace my flooring because I was in the February freeze okay. a few years, years ago in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And so we've got our remodeling done, but now we're down to flooring. So what's the cost basis going to be on me? Am I going to have to pick up the contractor's uh, increase in uh, interest. Sure. Um, you know, I think you're in a really, uh, competitive environment. And if you, once again, on the consumer side, cash is king on your part too. Um, flooring contractors are, um, are hungry and competitive for needing those sales that I was speaking of in the prior, in the prior segment. Um, I do know a little bit about the Dallas market. Um, it's a bit insulated from what's going on. I live in Dallas myself, and it, uh, I, I don't think they're slowing down. They're hitting a speed bump. And um, so I, I would suggest that you get three bids, uh, talk to the contractor, understand what the customer experience is by maybe asking for referrals to make sure you get a good job. And then um, don't be afraid to, to ask them about where they are um, in their um, workload. Um, a good tip is, is if they're booked out two or three months, they're probably not going to come off their price, but if they need that job next week, that might be somebody that you might want to talk to you about uh, um, getting that, getting a more favorable price to get that done. 
Um, as far as products, um, I'm not a flooring contractor, but I've been in the home service. So I've got a plumbing and air conditioning business. Um, there are a number of alternative products, and there's great financing available. Now, you may pay an inter- a higher interest rate, but some of those are same as cash with, um, with good credit. So if I'm looking at it from the consumer side, hey, if I can get uh, 12 to 18 months, same as cash, and I've got the cash sitting in the bank, um, I really think we're going to ride this out over the next two or three quarters. Inflation's starting to get down under 5%. I think the Fed, uh, Fed's coming out, and they may ease. Um, they may not even raise rates. I, I don't have a crystal ball on that. But I do see the, the, the pendulum swinging. We were at 8% last year. We're down, um, I think, in the last month or two under 5%. So um, if there's some same-as-cash offers out there and you know you can pay it off in 12 to 18 months, then go for it and save that money, uh, finance it, pay, pay that smaller amount, and just make sure that you earmark that savings to pay it off before you hit that 18 month or that 12th month because it'll be punitive for you in interest um, if you go past that 12th or 18 month. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Brent Garrett, I want to go to Mimi in Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Mimi, very quickly. Hi, thank you for inviting me to speak. Uh, I'm a small business owner in Atlanta, Georgia. A yoga business was thriving prior to 2020. Uh, Our business was put on freeze because we weren't allowed to meet, et cetera. So I'm trying to to resurrect my business. But the challenge I'm running into is unaffordable retail space because – Honestly, like BlackRock, I, I don't know, these companies from North Carolina and California um, have come in here and, like, turned. And it's unaffordable, right, uh, Mimi? I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to get a response from Brent Garrett. we got about a minute to go. So, um, Mimi, I, if, you're, if you're selling a product and retail storefront space is a problem, I would suggest, um, I always say to our team, the problem's not the problem. The problem's the way we're looking at the problem. If we could figure out some way to go to market without retail storefront, perhaps you start changing your strategy toward um, selling online. I don't know what your product is. I know we're on a short timeline, but if there's a possibility of you working out of your home or selling online or streaming your product, um, I would look at those first. All right. Thank you, Mimi. I hope that helps you with uh, your yoga business. Brent Garrett is the author of Swirling the Drain, Why Small Businesses Fail and How to Stop the Leaks. Brent Garrett, thanks for your time tonight. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Rich. Have a good evening. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. Your calls and more on all of the hot topics of the evening. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. It's Open Phone America, and it starts right now. Don't go anywhere. the city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez 
Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome to our program. It's our number three, known as Open Phone America. This was a name given to this part of the program by the late Larry King and maintained for three decades by the late great Jim Bohannon. And uh, we're doing it here as well. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, 833-482-5337. Your calls on any topic are welcome. And again, some of the stuff that we talked about tonight uh, were, you know, the impact on small business of the slowing economy and the credit crunch that goes with it and how it's squeezing small businesses into a very difficult spot. We also... um, had some discussion on the 2024 election and, you know, who ends up becoming the nominee. And of course we spoke with Newt Gingrich about everything going on in Washington, including the latest indictment of president Donald Trump. Document handling and obstruction of justice of all things. Interestingly, everybody else who's ever committed this uh, infraction that they're claiming he committed has never been charged. Go figure, huh? But Trump took to the uh, airwaves on Truth Social, put out a video almost immediately around 7.30 this evening, and here's what he had to say. They go after a popular president, a president that got more votes than any sitting president in the history of our country, by far, and did much better the second time in the election than the first. And they go after him on a boxes hoax, just like the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and all of the others. This has been going on for seven years. They can't stop because it's election interference at the highest level. There's never been anything like what's happened. I'm an innocent man. I'm an innocent person. Uh, They had the Mueller hoax, the Mueller report, and that came out. No collusion after two and a half years that was set up by Hillary Clinton and Democrats. But this is what they do. This is what they do so well, if they would devote their energies to honesty and integrity, it would be a lot better for our country. They could do a lot better. They could do a lot of great things. That's uh, former President Trump uh, maintaining his innocence, saying, I didn't do anything wrong, and this is egregious. And I have to uh, agree with the statement that this is egregious. I believe that what uh, we're watching here is, in my opinion, Um, not only a political persecution, uh, but really a politically motivated persecution that hurts all of us. Every single American suffers as a result of this. And we're watching our justice system erode. It doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I know some people think that's it. It's over. I don't believe it's over, but I believe we're watching it. um, We're watching it be dragged, dragged through the mud, dragged through through the embers, and I think there'll be something left, but it won't be as recognizable as it once was. And all for the sake of power. And I think it's truly disgusting that those that are in power are are using our government, in particular our system of justice, as a weapon to go after political enemies. Uh, it's it's just, you know, really, it's it's like it's the stuff you've heard of and never thought would happen here, and here we are. So on that note, let's uh, 
take it to the phones. You get to weigh in, America, 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Manchester, New Hampshire, listening on our website, Rich Valdez, America at night.com. Let's go to Justin. Justin, what's on your mind? Rich, thank you for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Um, it's always yes, such sir. an honor and a pleasure to, uh, to speak with you, Rich. Likewise. Um, I'm so glad Jim Bohannon uh, so chose you to uh, carry the torch, Rich, because um, you're, you're doing you. an awesome job, man. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I'm... Uh, Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. Um, Rich, I'm with you all the way. Um, this is this is clearly a political persecution, in my opinion. Um, I don't believe any accusation. I, I don't care how many times Trump gets indicted, what he's accused of. I don't believe any of it for a second. Um, you know, I, I'm with him all the way. I completely support him. And, uh, you know, whether whether he gets the nomination or not. Um, and I, I mean, I believe it's either going to be him or DeSantis. That, I mean, that's my prediction. I think it's going to come down to them, too. I don't think the other candidates have a chance. Um, I really don't. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's terrible what's happening. I mean, it, it really is the weaponization of, uh, you know, of the, of the very agencies who are supposed to enforce the law, you know, and, um, supposed to be equal, um, uh, protection under the law. And, and that's gone. I mean, that's clearly out the window. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Rich, and I'm with president Trump all the way. And, uh, I mean, the man who should be forced out of office and be prosecuted is Joe Biden. I mean, he, what he's, you know, already been accused of it is, is terrible. And he should, I mean, I'm, I really hope that impeachment proceedings are going to be started soon because that's the man who should be prosecuted and put in federal prison, in my opinion. Thank you, Justin. I appreciate that. And I, I think we shouldn't stop there. We should also take a look at um, what we now know from the, um, what was that guy's name? Special counsel Durham from the Durham report. We now know that both Joe Biden and President Barack Obama were totally up to speed on what was going on with all of this stuff. And if that's not something that we should be looking at uh, each of those gentlemen about, I don't know what is. So uh, I'm with you on that one. I don't think we should be throwing the book at Trump if we're not going to look at the others that were involved in uh, the this setup, the spying. The, I mean, you name it, there's so much of it. And uh, it, it's it's a bad look for America, no matter what, whether it was you know uh, on Trump or anybody else. I think what the Democrats use to their advantage is that Trump has figured out a way to tick off a lot of people. And in doing that, it justifies their bad treatment of him as, you know, people going, well, you know, to anybody else, no, we shouldn't do it, but it's Trump. And, you know, he's the guy they love to hate and, and they kind of justify their, their bad behavior because they don't like him. But, you know, I don't like Joe Biden and I wouldn't want the Republicans to do something that um, I wouldn't want them to, you know, I wouldn't want done to me, right? The golden rule. And, and I get it. Maybe I'm a softy when it comes to this stuff, but I think we've got to be fair. We've just got to do the right thing. Justin, thanks for the call. We're going to continue with your calls and more straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. I don't think ever in the history of human endeavor has there been as fundamental potential technological change as is presented by artificial intelligence. It is staggering. Now, what's staggering is how Joe Biden walks across a stage. But uh, speaking of AI, artificial intelligence, listen to this story. Humiliated New York lawyer who used chat GPT for bogus court document is now apologizing profusely. A New York attorney who used chat GPT to write a legal brief, which cited bogus cases, is now apologizing in court because, and he became emotional as he explained being duped by the artificial intelligence chatbot. Steven Schwartz of Tribeca law firm uh, Levidow, Levidow and Oberman told a Manhattan federal judge that he was humiliated by this accident, saying that he believed he was using a search engine, never fathomed that the AI app would provide fake case law. He would say, I'd like to sincerely apologize to your honor, this court, and to the defendants, as well as my firm. I deeply regret my actions in this manner that led to this hearing today. I suffered both professionally and personally because of the widespread publicity of this issue and what it's generated. I'm both embarrassed, humiliated, and extremely remorseful. Bro, if you're a lawyer, listen, take the time and do the work. Do not use chat GPT for your paper, right? This isn't college, sir, and I'm not saying you should do it in college either, but I am saying you're, you're going to get caught, right? This is, don't do this. This is crazy. People are paying you because you have the expertise, not because you know how to use chat GPT. Absolutely disgraceful. He should be embarrassed and don't ever do that again. I will never, I can guarantee you this. I will never, ever prepare a monologue or any of my show prep on chat GPT. They will do that against my will. I'll go cooking and screaming. And if they use my voice without permission for chat GPT and some sort of AI generated radio host, we're going to have a problem, Houston. But I don't think that's in the cards just yet. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. But for people volunteering to replace themselves by AIs and robots, no, thank you, sir. Shame on you. Let us continue with our calls across America. We got a lot of people weighing in on the 2024 election, on the Trump indictment, and more. Let us go to John in Vero Beach, WTTB. Go right ahead, John. Oh, yes, Rich. Uh, it's always a pleasure and uh, extremely informative, your, your show. And thank you. I, I guarantee you that Jim Bohan is looking down and he's proud of you. That's one of the nicest things anybody's ever said. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Anyway, I had this friend and his lovely wife, and over years they struggled and they built up a, a business, a rental business, and they had 12 units. And during the COVID, everyone that was renting from him, they were all protected. They didn't have to pay their yep. rent. Yeah, they called it the, uh, the uh, moratorium on rent. Exactly. And he filed papers ad nauseum, you know, to get reimbursed through the government's so-called program thing. Mm -hmm. And and <laughs> the government was slow walking that terribly. So he was getting nothing in in return. 
and he was slowly just getting getting going into a bankrupt situation. So I finally said to him, I said, look, you're being bled to death. There's this yep. an attack on small business, on, on middle middle income. So I said, what you do is offer your tenants a buyout. Yep. Buy them out. And you know, exactly back in, in 2008, John, I just want to throw this in there. Uh, there was several banks that were going through this that were like trying to foreclose on people. And they came up with something called cash for keys. And they figured out if these people are just trying to hang out here and not pay their mortgage so they could have money for a deposit to get an apartment, we'll pay them five grand just to leave. As long as they give us the keys to the house so we could foreclose it and they don't destroy it and whatnot. And, and many banks were doing that. And it seems now you've got individual landlords doing that because they can't get any money out of people. So they're like, listen, uh, I know you owe me money, but I will pay you to leave so that you have the money for the deposit on your next apartment because I need you out. Isn't that crazy, John? Yes, it's it's it's, it's uh, absurd absurd attack on the middle income is what it was through the whole. They used the COVID thing as an excuse. And yeah, uh, I agree with that. Put people on, on yeah, uh, it's another thing of putting people on the government dole. It was also uh, an opportunity to expand the strength and uh, the power and the reach of government. Uh, you know, you had the government literally, we had to stop them by way of the Supreme court. I don't know if you remember, but they were like, no, the department of health or HHS or whichever one it was, they were saying, uh, yeah, no, no, the, the rental moratorium and the court said, excuse me, this is not a health matter. People have to pay their bills. This thing is over. And it, it was just amazing what they were doing in the name of COVID. John, thanks for the call brother. And for your kind words, I appreciate it. Uh, let us continue. Let us go to, Becky, Bloomington, Illinois, listening on Rich Valdez, com, streaming the program. Becky, how are you? I am just fine. And you know what? You're the best. I love your show. Oh, You've done a you. wonderful job being taken by, or I mean, Bohannon's place. You've done a great job. Very kind. Okay, now, what I want to say is back in 2016, I had never voted in my entire life. But when it came down to Hillary and Trump, I said, that's it. No, Hillary. So I signed up to vote. I went there to go vote. And the woman told me, I have my card and everything, but the woman told me, oh, you're not here in the book. I said, yes, I am. I have my card. Now, we had been standing there talking prior to that, another woman and I. And I said that I would never vote for Hillary. So I was going to make a point to vote for Trump. Well, the one that was doing this, she had heard me. So as minute I got up there, she couldn't find me. So I told that one woman standing there, I said, go get that cop that's standing outside the door. Within 20 seconds, she found my name. So I was <laughs> able to vote, and I voted for Trump. There's no way on God's green earth I would have voted for Hillary. And I still wouldn't to this day. Anyhow, fast forward. They have done nothing but harass this man from day one. He got in office, but they've done nothing but to harass him ever since. And they're not going to quit now. So a couple of weeks ago, I heard on the radio, I don't even know what I was listening to, what they're trying to do is they're going to fix it. So there was only going to be rich people and poor people. And if they can get keep Trump from getting in there, there'll be a middle class. But they don't want that. They want rich and poor. 
And so that way they can control yeah, the poor. They, they can tax you to death or, or give you what you need, right? Either way, you're, you're kind of, uh, you're on the hook there. I see how that goes. Very interesting. Thank you, Becky. I appreciate it. Uh, let us continue. Uh, actually, can, can we continue? It's kind of short here. Two-minute warning, two-minute warning. Yeah, I think we could do uh, two minutes over here. Let's go to Stan, South Line, Missouri, uh, listening on KNSI out of Minnesota. Hey, Stan, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Hi Rich. Thanks for your call screen and for you for taking my call. It's uh, South Line, Michigan. Okay, that's oh, where Michigan. I'm, I'm calling you from. Yeah, that, that's yeah, me. Yeah, but I'm listening to you. Go right ahead. <laughs> no, that's okay. So anyway, so anyway, the reason I'm calling you, Rich, is because you know what? Every Republican uh, uh, leader in the House, uh, uh, McCarthy, uh, DeSantis, all of these guys should should be screaming right now about this Trump being indicted. Not only that, I believe well, they McCarthy should all did just put out a very forceful the, statement. But I agree with you. Everybody should be outraged. It's an outrage. Yeah, yeah. DeSantis, DeSantis is like, what kind of what kind of statement was that? Oh yeah, and and you know the rest of these guys, you know, you know, I, I don't even know where they're going, but they should all just get off the stage because Trump's going to win this thing anyway, and this is just going to help him. But they all just get off the stage in support of him because he made all those guys anyway, Rich. You know what I mean? He made them all. And if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't be where they're at, especially like Mike, especially like Pence. You got to be kidding me. You know, this guy's <laughs> going to come out. You know what I mean? He wouldn't be where he is right now if it wasn't for Donald Trump. Oh, I think that's very true. Uh, a lot of them have uh, a debt of gratitude that they owe to Trump. Uh, but I, I'll say this. That I think, you know, there's there's a, a, there's ambition in politics, right? People always want to move forward. And uh, sometimes that that's that's how it works. So uh, interesting points. I'm going to address a little bit more of that on the way back. Of course, I also want to talk about the small business and the credit crunch for small business owners. We're going to get to your calls and more. I see calls from Georgia, Brooklyn, New York, Lansing, Michigan, Akron, Ohio, Baltimore, Maryland, and more. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number. 833-4-VALDEZ. weeks ago, I mentioned about a, uh, a friend of mine who lives in Paris, France. Uh, his name is Regis Chevalier. And uh, he had mentioned to me uh, through a Facebook article a couple of years ago, maybe 2021, that there were these little tent cities popping up under the Eiffel Tower. Well, I mentioned that on the air and then uh, somebody dropped a comment, as I always invite them to, online saying, Rich, you're misinforming the audience. That is not, in fact, the case. I live in Paris, France, and there are no tent cities here. Uh, and I had gone on to say that this was happening at the, at the height of uh, the immigration crisis that they were having. And there were knife attacks all over the place. And 
Uh, I didn't really get to respond to him online, uh, but I, I thought it was interesting. And I, you know, so I wanted to double check myself and I did, I double checked and it was true. There were 10 cities all over the place, not even just under the Eiffel tower, but even in downtown Paris and, and other big cities in France. Well, lo and behold, uh, that that's still a thing. And it's not even the 10 cities. Uh, it's, it's even worse, right? Uh, we're talking about stabbings, right? There is uh, a Syrian refugee in France who went on a stabbing spree and not just in the streets, he did it at a playground, including stabbing a toddler in a stroller. And it's on video. It's chilling video footage where it caught the Syrian refugee repeatedly stabbing, screaming adults and kids in a French playground earlier today. One of them was a toddler in a stroller. The 90-second clip shared online shows the man repeatedly running at people in the picturesque Alpine town of uh, Annecy, injuring at least six people, including uh, four kids under the age of five years old, and they were left fighting for their lives. Uh, Police later blamed 31-year-old Syrian national with legal refugee status in France for the attack uh, that President Emmanuel Macron called an act of absolute cowardice. And um, I I think this is disgusting. But again, these are some of the issues that arise when you have uncontrolled immigration. And yes, this person was a legal immigrant because France just followed suit on the UN's recommendation to take on a refugee resettlement program for people coming from all over the the world. Uh, But you, you can't let everybody into your country. You just can't. People's rights to, to come into a country don't exist. It's your right as the citizenry to say, we want to help somebody out. But nobody has a right to just march into your country. Anyway, we're talking about small business, the Trump indictment, and everything else we've uh, discussed tonight. Let's go to Georgia. Georgia, Georgia. Let's go to Joe. Joe is uh, uh, calling us from Jonesboro, Georgia on WGKA. Joe, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hello, how are you today? I think I'm doing uh, well, thank most, you. I, I think that most of these problems we're running into are actually being uh, engineered. Uh, it's going to be necessary for each individual group, uh, social uh, commentary, uh, social institution, mm-hmm. uh, to develop defense systems of their own. And I don't mean violence. I mean you need to have a, a firm uh, set aside for crisis intervention so that when there's a plague or when there's a, a tornado or when there's a hurricane or a tidal wave, uh, you, you, each individual group can have its own resources to fall back on. Uh, you can uh, start by giving your people uh, debit cards that can help them through crisis, uh, food, uh, medicine, clothing, things like that. Uh, I agree with you that we need to be prepared, Joe. We've got to be, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but what I'm saying is mostly these problems are being engineered. I think the terrorists are changing their faces and their disguises. They were freedom fighters. Now you see them coming out as uh, stabbing victims and uh, school shootings and uh, actually spreading biotoxins throughout uh, a civilization. They have become more sophisticated, and they're becoming more uh, more aggressive in uh, their uh, political demands. And now they don't want, even want to demand. Now they just want to kill. So 
So you have to increase your own personal and social defense systems. You can't just rely on government because government is overburdened, overtaxed, and they've been infiltrated a lot. The, the people who claim to be patriotic are actually the ones causing some of the problems. Got to be prepared. I agree with that, Joe. We've got to be prepared. Be ready. Stay alert and be vigilant. Big shout out to everybody listening in Jonesboro, Georgia. Thanks for the call, Joe, on WGKA. We continue. Let's go to Tony. Tony is in Baltimore, Maryland, WFMD in Frederick, Maryland. Tony, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. All right, let's come back to Tony. It sounds like there was an audio problem there. Uh, let us go to Frank. Frank is in Akron, Ohio, WNIR. Go right ahead. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Rich. Doing a great job. Thank this, you, sir. This is going to be an uphill battle to take back of America. It's going to be an uphill battle. Either we stick together or they're going to hang us separately. Okay? Military-industrial complex, along with the oligarchies, have taken over America. They've done a vertical, horizontal uh, integration deal. And, and, and so they, they, they've robbed us, and they're robbing us of our heritage. They're robbing us of our vote. They're robbing us of our liberty. And, as, and they're just eroding away. It's our erosion. So, and I'm a Trump voter, and what Mr. Trump says, God bless him, He's he's an all Americana, you know. He's a great American, as far as I'm concerned. And and this division, and and I'm not gonna, you know, they're gonna play this political atomic two step on America, while they do this division, the military industrial war complex along with the oligarchies, you know, people like Dow Chemical and and other big corporations, corporate world. Mm -hmm. They've slowly taken over America, and, and they've got us in death grips. And this is going to be an uphill battle war. I agree with you. Or we're going to end up in, in, in a civil war right here in America. Yeah, I don't think we're going to end up in a civil war because I think as the days go by, more and more people are less inclined to fight. You know, you've got a, a good portion. Let's just call it half if you want. Uh, but a good portion of Americans that are, are being taught to dislike America. And while you may see little skirmishes and slight uprisings like we saw in Glendale, California, with the Antifa versus the parents, the concerned parents, the, the, the folks from the Lexit movement and the Armenian families. But ultimately, most people don't want to fight. And that's why we have the problem we have. Uh, people have just given up the fighting spirit where they, they don't want to argue. They don't want to be bothered. They feel like it's it's not politically correct to have those kinds of conversations. And we've gone, you know, we've adopted an idea. Just imagine this, right? We create a country um, back when we did, our founders. And the First Amendment to the Constitution is one where it says you're free to say what you want, free to report what you want, and free to pray how you want, right? In, 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 in many ways. And one of the most popular sayings you'll ever hear is never talk about religion and never talk about politics. I mean, it's unfathomable to me 
that we are literally a country where the very first amendment to our constitution is exactly that to talk about religion, to talk about politics, to have that liberty. But yet we've been suckered and brainwashed so many people. So when you, when you have a culture and society that's taught you to go against what you were actually founded to do, this is where we end up in a place where it's like, well, look, you can do that, but but don't do that. But it's okay. If you're a man and you identify as a woman or vice versa, that's okay. And it's okay. If your children want to do the same, that's fine. It's actually a good idea you know, you guys could both switch. Mom can become dad and son can become daughter. And that's good in this new world of ours, but not, not ever doing any of that while you talk about religion or politics. And uh, lamentably, that's exactly where they are. And that's how they're stealing the culture. That's how they're stealing the country. Uh, it's not even theft. Honestly, it's we're just getting bamboozled right out of it. It's like taking candy from a baby. They make sure you don't know your history, and the next thing you know, you're giving up your rights. Frank in Akron, Ohio, WNIR, thank you for the call. Uh, we're going to take a quick pause right here before we get to the rest of your calls in Michigan, Brooklyn, New York. Let's see who else. Uh, Baltimore, we got Tony back. Let's see. Hopefully, uh, he, uh, he we can get him on this time. A lot more to come straight ahead. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Welcome back. We still have some callers that I want to get through. And I just want to say, I love speaking with the callers. I can't always stay on the phone for the entirety of everything, what everybody wants to say, because we have a clock in radio and it's clicking and ticking right in front of me. And it'll cut us off if I don't get it done in time. But I I do want to continue with the rest of your calls. And I appreciate you guys calling in tonight. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDES. Let us go to Ken, Lansing, Michigan, W-I-L-S. Go right ahead. Good evening, Rich. Uh, I just want to make a comment about that guy that said he was from South Line a couple of callers ago. I built about 100 houses in that town, so I know that town really well. But, wow, 100 uh, houses. That's that a lot of houses, good. Ken. We were in that town for like four years. Wow. You, you never, you never seen such a town that size blow up like it did in ten years. It, it just crazy, incredible growth. It's about thirty miles outside of Detroit. But uh, uh, that guy in France that uh, thought he could stab little babies and little kids—if there was actually a man there with a concealed weapon—he would have stopped that in a hurry. One, so two, I don't know three. if they have concealed weapon laws. I don't know if they are. You're allowed to carry conceal in France, but there's a damn good ex- reason why you should be. But uh, amen to that. Joe Biden, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton 
have proved in the last four years, Rich, that our system of justice is so damn corrupt. It makes me almost sick to my stomach. I literally, I'm going to say just a little bit about myself real quick. I spent six months in a county jail for having marijuana in my house when I was on probation for other marijuana. Well, the marijuana I had in my house when I was on probation was CBD marijuana. It was not the type that would get you high. It didn't do that. It was medicine. It, did, it didn't matter to them. They stuck me in jail for six months. And th- two wow. weeks after I got put in jail, the state of Michigan approved recreational marijuana. Unbelievable. <laughs> so the Lucky irony you, of that right? is so, crazy. What do they say? Some guys have all the luck, right, Ken? Oh, my God. I, it was just ridiculous. You know, I've got two dogs that are like my children. So I had to have a family watch my dogs for six months. Someone uh, stay in my house for six months, so people didn't mess with it. But it's just, you know, how Joe Biden yeah. can get away with what he's doing, and how Hillary—they're talking about Trump having documents, this and that. Right, Bo- boxes how of paper. Hell, how in the hell has Hillary Clinton gotten away with what she has with a computer and a server in her bathroom at her house that she smashes with a hammer to pieces and a phone? And her excuse for that is. Oh, I didn't want anybody to see me and Chelsea's wedding plans. Well, for right. one and thing, not to mention, for you to- she added that she used bleach bit, uh, her words, not mine, uh, in order to, to finish it off. And you know what? Your point about the um, uh, concealed carry, uh, no private citizen, no civilian is allowed to carry any firearms uh, in a concealed manner in France. So uh, that comes as no surprise. It sounds very European. Uh, but that's the case. Anyway, Ken, thanks. I got to let you go here so we can continue with our calls. And I got to take another quick pause. We're going to get to the rest of the calls that are on hold. When we come back, don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Continuing our open phone across America tonight. It was Thursday night. Let us go to Alex in Brooklyn, New York, listening on WFAS. Go right ahead. Hey, Rich, thanks for taking the call about what the previous caller was saying about how all these people like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, they get away with everything. Last mm-hmm. week when he flipped over Joe Biden on the stage, some people were saying, oh, you should make fun of him because he's an old guy. And I was like, no, I'm making a hell of a lot fun of this guy because he belongs in prison. <laughs> and just because he got away from being in prison, he shouldn't get the treatment of just an average old person. He got away with it. He should be sitting in prison because of all the crimes he's done for the way he's destroyed the country. If we would have done just a little investigation with an open mind, with a fear justice system, he would not be in office. Um, But I also wanted to say about this Trump indictment today, Mm. we didn't even have to look into the charges being brought against him. You know, Joe Biden hasn't been charged yet from the beginning of this thing. NARA, 
Who did they ask for documents, right? Only Donald Trump in the beginning. He because he he had some documents by him. They didn't ask Obama. They didn't ask Joe Biden. And the fake news media, they're busy saying nobody else has classified documents. This is right. horrendous crime. This is a threat to our national security. But it came out that Joe Biden did. And now then some Democrats said, oh, Joe Biden only had a few documents. The National Army right. Association. As if it makes a difference. And, and I think Trump's point that it was uh, concealed in his garage, not a skiff or any secure facility, but where he had his prized Corvette was really um, just not much of a defense. Alex, thanks for the call, brother. I appreciate you staying up late with us. Let's go to Tony, Baltimore, Maryland, WFMD out of Frederick. Go right ahead. Yes, and also going to the last caller, uh, I believe it was on your show last night or the night before, Rich. uh, Isn't it since 1980, uh, the Federal Archives, ever since Ronald Reagan, uh, there's always been an issue with uh, classified documents. I believe Bush and Cheney. Yeah, Bush, Cheney, and Colin Powell had like 20,000 emails. And going back to two callers ago about Hillary Clinton with the bleached emails, I'd like to know how many times Joe Biden's name surfaces in those 33,000 emails. Because remember, he was the (laughs) vice president. They were all in on the pay-for-play together. (laughs) Believe me. That's uh, true. yeah, and about the indictment, obviously, as I am calling in, obviously, it's a hot topic. You know, uh, I believe I want to thank uh, everybody, the CNN. They just fired their CEO. And I mean, these people, I think they're handing the election to Trump. He's getting popular by the minute. Uh, and I know people in radio, Richard, uh, you know, you're under contract, and I'm sure they, they would put the pink slip in your face if you talk about election fraud. A lot of people are afraid to talk about it, but the whole world knows it from Norway to Australia and everywhere in between. Anyone with one one millionth of a brain or any rational thinking knows that with ballot dumps at 3.30 and 4.30 in the morning in Michigan, Wisconsin, that they, they, this was not a legitimate election. Uh, you know, Trump was actually very noble in walking away. How there was not an investigation, I don't know what Bill Barr was thinking. Uh, that there wasn't even yeah. investigation. Yeah, that, that's a good point that you bring up. Uh, Bill Barr repeatedly said there was nothing there and he didn't look for anything, which was one interesting point. And another interesting point was that um, there are changes that were made, right? We talked about some of them earlier, how they changed the, the rules in Pennsylvania, how they changed the rules in uh, Wisconsin. And if, if you're changing rules, it's because you found a problem. And those irregularities have to be corrected and not repeated and uh, i i echo what you're saying excellent point thank you all for your calls excellent conversation tonight take care good night and god bless hasta la próxima until the next time america we're going to do it all again tomorrow but until then keep it locked right on this station because there's amazing programming coming up right after me and i'm looking forward to speaking with you again tomorrow god bless The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.